Scarantino, and this is the Get the Fuck Off podcast. Every week, I'm going to be talking about a new topic to help you guys get the fuck off the shit that doesn't serve you anymore. But first, let me tell you a little bit about me. I used to work as a bartender, and I lived in the New York City bar scene. I smoked between a pack or two a day, and I was what you'd call quite overweight. I learned that the secret to adopting a healthy lifestyle is a series of mindset shifts. Unfortunately, they don't always come with an owner's manual, so I decided to start this podcast to give you guys the nuts and bolts without you having to do all the research on your own. Getting healthy does not mean you have to sacrifice your outstanding personality, and it actually can be quite a fun journey. I'm really excited to have you guys on that journey with me. Let's get off together. Welcome back, everybody, on this Tuesday, October 5th, to the Get the Fuck Off podcast. I'm so excited to have you guys back. I have another episode, Just Me, today. And I thought I would talk about something that I started Get the Fuck Off talking a lot about, and then I kind of got away from it, and that is sobriety. Sobriety is gold. I talk about sobriety being gold so much I started Get the Fuck Off as this idea of quit smoking, stop drinking, lose weight, stop binge eating, stop doing all those things, stop being inactive. That was all of my initial plan last November when I started Get the Fuck Off. And then as I developed my coaching practice and I got more training, I mean, I started dealing with the actual things that lie under the surface of our behavior. So... I always was sort of working with people on that in the initial stages of breaking the habits, but now I do a lot of deeper work. And when I started doing the deeper work, I started talking on the podcast about the deeper work. And so I think just talking about those initial stages has gone a little bit by the wayside. So I thought, well, this is a great opportunity. I have some friends talking about sobriety and joining um, the community of sober people that exist in the world. And I, I... welcome all of them with open arms as I was welcomed when I started doing that a while back and I thought let's just have a conversation about what sobriety looks like and I want to I'm just going to talk about it from my own perspective um I don't work with any clients right now that are in recovery Uh, I'm open to doing that but right now none of my clients are in recovery that is not a prerequisite to work with me if you drink good for you (laughs) I think it's great I think that if you drink, good for you until it becomes a problem. And if it's a problem for you, then it's a problem. And if it's not a problem for you, then it's not a problem. You know what I mean? Get what I'm saying? For me, it was a problem. Um, I, I refer to myself as an addict. And I think that makes some people uncomfortable that are in my life. And a lot of people are always really quick to jump in and say, oh, but you weren't really an addict. Like, you, you weren't really and, and I always get really pissed off when people try to do that because, yes, I was. And I actually caught myself doing it recently, uh, about two months ago. I was like, well, I wasn't like other alcoholics. And you know what that is? That's a judgment. That's a judgment about what you think an alcoholic should look like versus what one actually looks like. And what one actually looks like is it's it's like a... It's like a rainbow. Like we're all different colors, shapes, and sizes. That's not a rainbow. But, you know, we're all different colors. And 
we also are in all, I mean, you can't put us in a box. Like it's a, when I say a rainbow, I mean like a spectrum. We are, we are as varied and different as every single other type of person. You can't say, oh, this is what this looks like. It looks all different types of ways. So I, I know what I looked like when I was drinking, but I think a lot of times people, when they want to get sober, are like, well, what the hell will I look like once I stop drinking? What's my life going to look like? And I'm going to give you, I, I had what I consider to be a relatively easy time with sobriety, but I want to just say that the first two months were anything but easy. They were not easy because I was going through the process of undoing an addiction and it's one of the most addictive substances in the world. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's not addictive like heroin's addictive, but it's addictive. Like alcohol is damn addictive. So to undo an addiction was like, whoa, that was hard. And I think so, the first thing I want to tell you is that if you're going to stop drinking, your brain is damaged. So it doesn't know how to produce serotonin the right way. So the first couple of weeks, you're going to feel pretty sullen and depressed. If you're waiting for the moment when the the good feelings are going to come, they're not coming for a couple of weeks. So you got to make it through that initial part. That's, That's the first thing. And I do want to preface by saying, if you're somebody that's drinking like a fifth of liquor every day, you probably should seek out a safe detox center for you to be able to go through your alcohol withdrawals because they can be really dangerous. Um, if you feel that you have a, a dependency that's so strong that you're using it in excess to that level, like you, you should seek out some help to be able to do this. The majority of us aren't going to really need that, um, that are just drinking casually. Like if we're drinking like four to six beers a day, you know, I I can't really say. I can't say what's going to go on with your body. But if it's something that is what you believe to be super serious, I, I would seek out um, medical attention to so that you can be supervised during that period. Um, for everyone else that doesn't need that medical attention, there's going to be some brain fog that you're going to notice. There's going to be some depression. There's going to be withdrawals. There's going to be so much that's going to be happening with your body. And I would just tell you to give yourself grace because you have to go through all of that. And you also have to go through the undoing of the habit. And the habit is going to reach for it at certain times with certain people. I mean, ultimately, your life is going to feel like a little bit of a shell at first because you're not going to know what to do with yourself. And that's perfectly normal. And then after that, when you get through that, you get to really start rebuilding your life in all of the great ways. To get through that first part, you have to picture your life as how you want it to be. You don't have to do this. I'm suggesting that you picture your life the way that you want it to be once you're done with the drink. Because human beings, here's the thing about human beings. We're either running towards something or we're running away from something most of the time. When you're running away from something, you're still placing the focus on the thing that you don't want. So the law of, in, of intention states that when you want something, you should put your energy running towards that thing. So if you're thinking about what you don't want, you're still focusing on what you don't want. So the focus is if you want to have a better life that's filled with opportunity, that's filled with rich friendships, that's filled with all of that, focus on the life that you want. That's going to get you through that period that's really, really hard. This is what I'm, I'm 
I preach this. I'm about this. Life is better after drinking. You're chasing the high 90% of the time. 10% of the time, it's good. 90% of the time, it's shit. You feel like shit. It's not even that fun. You're spending money. You stink. You wake up with a mouth that tastes like you ate like just raw like I don't know yeast or something I don't fucking you know you know what I'm talking about your head feels like a shriveled up raisin raisin every morning feel like you don't have enough oxygen you feel clammy and cold your blood sugar's all over the place I mean the shit that's going on with you 90% of the time when you're a heavy drinker is not pleasant and that 10% of the time is what you're chasing and that 10% of the time most of the time is this feeling of bliss and euphoria and enlightenment and that that feeling that you get when you're in that space where it actually is where you're lucky enough to strike that that's kind of what you're chasing and that is available to you 100% of the time in sobriety. I am not joking. I'm going to tell you what sobriety looks like for me and what my days look like and some of the things. I'm almost two years sober. I'll be two years sober in December. And every day is just an expansion. This is, this is I want to start with identity. Because a lot of people, I think, struggle with sobriety because they think it's something that they need to maintain. Like, I need to continue to go to meetings so that I can hear how I'm broken. I don't go to meetings, guys. I if, if going to meetings works for you, good. That's great. I hope that, you know, that community is wonderful for you because I know that there's a lot of positivity in those communities because a lot of times we do need community. So meetings are great for that, and that's wonderful. But I'm going to tell you that there's nothing wrong with you 100%, and meetings are optional. Like they're not something that you have to do. You don't have to go and do that. I certainly didn't. But you do need to connect with a something larger. And that is something that like Alcoholics Anonymous is going to provide you. It's going to provide you with the framework to connect with that something larger. And that something larger does not have to be God. Like it could be your why. It could be the possibility of your future. It could be your family. It could be it could be anything. It could be the universe. It doesn't need to be a deity. So please just get the idea of you need a deity. You don't need a deity. Like you don't need that. But you do need a something larger. And that is that is something I found in my personal experiences and it could be anything it could even just be the possibility of having a better life that could be your something larger but you need a something larger so I don't go to meetings if you go to meetings great but I I don't go to meetings because I don't need to continuously do work in this I'm doing work on me remember that Drinking is a visible behavior that lives above the water. So in um, this transformational coaching program that I went through, um, I learned, and I kind of always knew, but I was kind of taught more about what actually lies beneath the surface. So your behaviors are the, sh- are the things that are on, on the surface. And then below the surface are all kinds of things, values, perceptions, identities, memories. I mean, like there, there's so many aspects of things that lie beneath the surface of who you are that's causing that behavior. And identity is one of them. So a lot of times what drinkers will do is they identify so strongly with the drink that they need to then identify so strongly with the sober person when they're done drinking. So they go to the meetings because they need sobriety to take over their identity rather than drinking. In reality, neither of those things are your identity. You are an independent being that came from nothing that exists as pure cosmic energy and potential. You are not your drinking habit. 
nor are you your friends, nor are you your job, nor are you your socioeconomic status, nor are you any of those things. You are pure, limitless potential. This is real. And this isn't like just some humbo whatever the fuck speech. This is like proven by quantum physics that at a very microscopic level, when you look at particles at the very root, we are energy that is inconsistent with that, that it doesn't require our physical selves to exist. That's real. We are a physical being and then we are also an energetic being that lives completely separate. And if you think back in your own life, this is getting a little heavy, but stay with me. Thinking back to like six or seven years old, you were that same being as you are right now. You still existed. So there was joy and there was curiosity and there was wonder and there was personality and there was all of that and that existed before the alcohol. Like it, it existed before that. And then you used the alcohol to create an identity in the world that was part of your ego. So when you release that, you don't need to replace it with a sober person as your identity. Like you really don't need to do that. And a lot of people think that they do. So they need to adopt that sober person as the primary identity rather than go deeper and figure out what they actually are. So if being a sober person is turning you off, that's okay. Like I think one of the reasons that for me sobriety is not so daunting and not so big is because it isn't my identity. It's just something. You know, just like I don't particularly like to eat chicken because I'm not really a big fan of chicken because I think chicken's really bland. Chicken is really stupid. So I don't eat chicken. I, I don't drink beer anymore, you know. Like I, I just, I don't drink beer anymore because it makes me poop and it makes me feel like crap and my brain doesn't work right the next day when I do it. So I don't drink beer the same as I don't eat chicken. It isn't this huge overtaking of my identity. Like I don't need to sit there and justify to everybody in the world why I don't eat chicken or throw this huge t- thing about ch- not eating chicken. Like I hate chicken. I hate chicken more than I hate vodka. Like, and I'm not going to have this big crazy thing and so sobriety doesn't need to be so huge it can just be like something that that is like I just I don't I don't do that and if other people make it a thing then it's about them it's not about it's not about you at all the second thing that I'll say is that in addition to it not being my identity because it isn't it's just something it's just another thing is that life Without it is so much richer because I get to actually live that life and I get to be present. And I'll give you an example of something that happened. This is going to sound so dumb to some of you guys, but it was such a huge thing for me. So this is a couple of months ago. And right, and I was in the height of marathon training. So I'm going to be running the Chicago Marathon next week. So that's why there probably won't be a podcast out next Monday or Tuesday, come to think of it, because I'm running the Chicago Marathon. But I'll try to get one out later in the week next week. Um, I I was in the height of marathon training this summer. I was, and still am, so tan. And I'm in the best physical shape that I've been in in probably my whole life. And this guy that I knew at one point um, reached out to me and this person was drinking. And I wasn't drinking, obviously. I was just laying in bed. And I happened to be naked at the time. And this is on Snapchat. 
because I'm not too good for Snapchat. I still have it. You know, 36 years old. As of last week, I'm like, oh, yeah, I got Snapchat. Uh, this guy sent me a Snapchat. So I was like, oh, let me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send a, a picture. Now, when I was drinking and when I was, you know, way, way more unhealthy than I am now, uh, I used to send pictures all the time. But now I don't really do that. But I sent a picture. This is not something that I regularly do, but it was something that I had to do because I was kind of feeling myself and I was kind of feeling sexual in that moment and just pure sexual energy. Like I just felt this pure sexual energy, but I really hadn't engaged in a sexting sort of situation since I got sober. Like I did not know how to do it. It was a, there are these things that we call sober milestones and I had gone through a lot of them, like the first holiday and the first family gathering, the first, like all this shit, first presidential election, you know, like I had gone through so much of that, but I hadn't gone through a situation where I was going to be vulnerable with my body and put that out there. So I, I sent this picture, I threw the ball, a person caught the ball, he threw the ball back and we ended up engaging in an exchange of photos which then led to an exchange of videos which then led to an exchange of big sloppy orgasms right and this was great <laughs> I use the millennial right uh this was great I when it was over I was like oh that was really cool like I really enjoyed that I mean there was face and everything like I was like like all over the place I was totally out there and I felt really empowered after that that whole experience. But what I felt the most empowered about was the next day and that I woke up completely fine. Like I woke up feeling completely 100% in control of what I did. Like I wanted to do it. And when I was still drinking, I always wanted to do those things too. But it was like I didn't have the agency or capability to force myself to be able to do it without the courage of an outside substance. So I needed something else to give me that little push so that I could get myself to be in a situation with someone which always kind of leaves you a little bit second guessing about whether or not it was embarrassing. Like, was this embarrassing? Was this something that, did I make an ass out of myself? Like, did I feel, did I do something that was, like, dirty? Was I over the top? Like, was this cool? It leaves you second guessing. You're always just in a little bit of, was this reciprocal? Like, did this person, were they really into me? Was I really into them? Like, you get, you get those, those underlying thoughts in your head. And when you're not drinking, I mean, at least the first time, like in my, in, from my memories of it. And, you know, when, when I was doing it sober, I woke up and I was like, I was in control of that from the beginning to the end. There was nothing else pushing this experience. I was doing it. I was steering the ship. I was make, calling the shots. I was there. And now, today, I'm awake and I don't feel bad about what I did because I know that I drove that the whole time and I was constantly able to be there and present and read it and know that this was something. Now the other person, I don't know how that person felt. Uh, We haven't really talked since then so my guess is that they don't feel as good as I do about what occurred but I felt really good about it and I feel really good all the time about everything I do. I have been present and remembering my life now for a year and nine months and change. Like I am always there. And when I do reach levels of 
spiritual, I'm not going to use the word enlightenment, but I'm going to say that there are elevated levels of spirituality that I, that I can reach at certain points through things like meditation and endurance sports. When I do reach those, I get to hang on to them a lot longer and I get to hang on to them in broad daylight, uninhibited. Yeah, I, I loved those nights outside of Olani's. I remember telling you guys about the time that I allegedly discovered the meaning of life. Oh, I know the meaning of life. I could die happy. You wake up the next morning, your head hurts, and you're like, oh, God, I need Pedialyte, and also I stink, and there's half-eaten food next to me. Is this the meaning of life? No, this is not the meaning of life. Um, I'm closer than I've ever been. But I do get to, I do, I get to experience these heightened levels of awareness and satisfaction that stay. So alcohol would bring me those heightened levels of awareness and satisfaction and intimacy and sexuality and like all of these things. But they were fleeting and they weren't, and what would happen was they were fleeting and then they were there in that moment, but I couldn't access them then without the drug. So I couldn't do it. And I was thinking about that just this last weekend. I was talking to somebody and I'm so attracted to this person. Like I can't even tell you. And I have not been able to be able to be in a situation where I'm looking at someone and engaging with them and reading their energy and be able to get myself to do that sober in a re- like a really like to be able to do that's remarkable to me because I used to need alcohol to do it. I couldn't just be that charming force of charisma without a drink I needed it like I was uncomfortable if I didn't have it and if if you want to meet people in bars you can still do that I still do that I pick up men in bars still I get phone numbers they text I don't text back it's just my mo but you know I think it's fun to talk to people but I don't need to drink to do it and I used to but what you are forgetting is that as you start to use alcohol to loosen up those parts, you forget that at one point you knew how to do it on your own. And you also forget that the things that you love are the same things that you've always loved, but you created an identity around drinking. So now you often, I can't say for certain that you do this, but I did this and a lot of people I know do this, you might prioritize a situation where you're drinking over doing something that you actually love. Uh, my 36th birthday this last weekend, I did my last long run before Chicago, which was 10 miles, which I wasn't necessarily so happy about because I'm tired of running by this point. But I ran and it was good. And then I just like laid on this slab of concrete that's in East River Park, um, right by the river. And it's kind of sat there so people can sit and look at the river. It's really pretty. And I was just laying there watching the people run by, just in the quiet, watching the boats go by on the river, East River. And I I was like, this is really beautiful. And like when I was young, I remember loving to do this where I just love, I do this a lot of mornings. A lot of mornings I just sit by the river. I meditate. I watch the boats go by. It's quiet. It's still, the air is really crisp. The world isn't quite as on steroids as it is at two o'clock in the afternoon. And I just get to enjoy that. And that is important to me and something that I love to do and something that I didn't do when I was drinking because I just didn't do it. And I loved to be around people. I still love that. And I loved to create, but I never created because I was always too tired to create. Whereas now I 
I'm definitely creating this podcast and using my voice and talking and writing. And I never need that little burst to do it. I used to need alcohol to write. And I did write some dark shit when I was drinking. I could now have the ability to access that. And I can access it at any point. And back when I was drinking, I could only access it when I was hammered. And then I didn't have the motivation factor. Because you only have so much where you're in that sweet spot where you can perform. And that sweet spot is not lasting because your addiction to the drug and your dependence on the drug will eventually take over. So yeah, you think you're being all creative and you you probably are being creative. But then the drug takes over and then you're just a useless lump so you have to maintain the sweet spot which takes way more work or when you stop drinking and your brain repairs and all of those neural pathways kind of all the cobwebs get cleared you're able to access that creativity and you can access it through things like meditation where you can stop not stop but slow down and slow down enough to be able to allow things your brain to communicate with itself and tap into also the infinite potential of the source that you came from which you might not know a hell of a lot about, but I do know about it. And it's huge and it's way bigger than you. And it, it, it can provide so much. It's provided so much to me in all these ways. And I, I have this life now where everything just feels present and available to me. And I wake up in the morning and I see potential for the day and then I go to sleep at night thinking, I am putting my body into a state of restfulness rather than just clonking out into deep sleep because I've poisoned myself so much and then waking up feeling like hell in the, after about five hours because that's what happens and it's wonderful and it's it's just wonderful and things things take over like my friendships are richer uh, a bunch of my friends are sober now I can't say that I am the driving force of all of it I went after some and I went before others and it's great and I think actually that we have better friendships now than we did when we were drinking because we always know that we are available to each other and we don't need to wait until we feel safe. We know that we're always safe. Uh, My best friend and I are both sober. I would say now our friendship is way richer than it was when we were drinking. Because when we were drinking, we really only bonded when we were like deep, deep in in drinking. I mean, we did bond outside of that. But when we were deep, deep in drinking, that was when most of the heart talks happened. We had to have those at that time. It didn't really feel safe to do it outside of that time. For myself, at least, and I can't really speak for him. But it seemed like that was the time that it happened. Like after a few beers at the bar, that's when you open up to each other. Well, what are you going to do? Like you get sober and what, are you just never going to open up again? Like no, you have to learn how to do it. Otherwise your friendships are going to kind of go by the wayside. So you learn to access that at any time. And then it's there and available for you at any time. So we can be great friends with a great intimacy with each other at any time because we know how to do it that's not to say that we're always doing it but that we know how to do it that we know how it is and that we don't have to depend on something to push us to that point and it's it's great you will have to relearn how to do a bunch of that but then after that you're gonna find that 
a lot of things just come easier to you. You're not going to really have so much social anxiety when you go into social situations, like if there's not a bar at the social situation, because the social anxiety is caused by a bunch of things, mainly, you know, your need to loosen up, your need to use something to loosen up, you know, and you're not going to have that because you're constantly going to be putting yourself in social situations where you have to do it for yourself. Kind of like I had to do that in that that initial sexting experience that I had where I had to drive the ship. Otherwise, that behavior was never going to occur ever again. And yeah, like sometimes I'm horny and I want to do that. And I needed to teach myself like, okay, this is how you do it. You got to relearn. So your life becomes this process of relearning. And then all of a sudden, everything is easier. It seems like it wouldn't be, but it is. It's easier if you look at it as opportunity and you see I am growing and expanding every single day. And all of the things that you love are available to you anyway. Your friendships are available to you. Your, the, you know, the romances that you want and that you need are available to you. The fun experiences are available to you. You go on vacation. You are going to feel good the whole time. I know people will be like, oh. I can't drink. You're going to have just as good of a time, I promise. Because when you're on vacation and you go to a bar for about two hours, it's great. And then what happens? No one's talking anymore. They're all yelling at each other. Same as, you know, when you're not on vacation. But when you're on vacation, it's just happening in a new place. I was on vacation in August and I did go to bars with my friends. But I also did things like I woke up early and went running and explored and had coffee while, you know, my friends were still asleep. I was done with an eight-mile run, sitting, talking to the cute little coffee shop owner about different stuff, sitting outside, watching the morning, watching people, then had the whole day, then went to the bars, then took a walk by the river. Like, these are not that... You can have the bars, you can have your friends, you can have all that stuff, and you get to have other stuff on top of it in addition. So there's more. Plus the good health. Like the good health is a good feeling. You probably don't even realize how bad your health feels if you're drinking heavily all the time because you are so used to it. I talked about this in an Instagram live video, and I said that I didn't quite remember the source, and I still haven't looked up the source but I believe that it was from Gabor Mate's book In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts because that is what I'm reading currently. A a friend of mine bought me the book and sent it to me as a present. Um, That would be Erin if you're listening to this thank you. I know that I thanked her in uh, Instagram live as well but she's just wonderful but I was reading that book and he is a medical doctor in Vancouver and worked with people that were in serious, serious drug addiction and in, a, in an area where there was a harm reduction program. So this is the idea that you're not going to be practicing abstinence, like it's providing a safe home for these people and medical care, but they are still using. And so it, harm reduction is important. I talked about it with Eric Fields and uh, Dr. Eric Fields in one of my previous episodes. And a lot of people really value harm reduction. And I'm, I'm a big proponent of harm reduction as well, uh, but that's that's another topic. But so uh, Dr. Gabramonte does do uh, a lot of work with addicts and what he was saying was he was saying to one of his patients that if you took a frog and you put the frog in boiling water the frog well not let's say not boiling let's say you know like let's say 
close to boiling (laughs) or maybe boiling who knows boiling water the frog would jump out of the water but if you put the frog in water and then slowly heated up the water and to the point where it was boiling the frog would boil to death because the frog would not realize that the situation around it had changed so dramatically and would die. The frog would die. And that's how it is with addiction and with drinking and with any, any sort of addiction. I, I think back to my, uh, my cigarette smoking days, but this is how it is with addiction. You don't really realize how bad you feel until you don't feel that way anymore. Uh, my cigarette smoking days, I talk about how I was running for a short race, and I'm talking like a three to four mile race my race pace was close to 10 minutes uh which was which I know for some people is fast but that was that was my race pace like that was full effort when I say race pace I mean full effort for a short distance and within three months of quitting smoking that went down to 8 30 and the reason why was because I could breathe and I didn't know I couldn't breathe I had no idea I had no idea that I couldn't breathe like it's it was wild to me to find out that I couldn't breathe. I had no clue. And that was the same with drinking. I had, I thought, oh, you know, when I'm hungover, I feel bad. But when I'm not hungover, I feel good most of the time. And I'm hungover like a couple of days a week. So, you know, I don't really feel that bad. I didn't realize how serious my brain fog was or how little clarity I had. And I was telling a friend of mine about it, you know, as we, when I was getting sober and I was saying, it's like I am awake for the first time in my life and I haven't ever been awake before like I can't even explain to you how this feels and I couldn't I I still can't I can't tell you what it feels like to wake up after being after drinking your whole life and to finally your brain heals to the point where it's producing serotonin normally and then the damaged spots start to repair and you are like you're awake and you're like what the fuck did I how did I feel that bad for that long but you don't realize it because you're and I always have to remind myself of it because you don't realize it because you're just in you're, – you're in active addiction. So you have no idea. And so you're the frog and you're boiling to death and you have no idea that you feel like shit. You have no idea. And you have to just remind yourself that you do if you want to get out of it. And not necessarily that you feel like shit but that there is possibility to feel great. Like let me just stay on this. And if I – can stay on this for long enough, I can feel great. I can be limitless potential. I can feel great. I can see clearly. You won't know that while you're still in active addiction. And even going through detox and even through, you know, the first two months you might not know. But as the, there are going to be things that are going to bubble to the surface, which is the deeper work that I, I do with my clients. And I mean, that, that can be whether you're in recovery or not. You know, I just do deeper work because as you start to remove behaviors, the things that are causing the behaviors are going to come up. They're just going to come up. That's it. And you're, you know, then you're going to be left with them. And so that is the deeper work that I do. So, um, yeah, that stuff is going to come up after a while. But you're going to be so equipped to deal with it because you're going to be great. You're going to be thinking so clearly. You're going to have power. Think of me in the sexting Snapchat like power 
play situation. Like, I've got power. I know, that sounds stupid. You're probably like, all right, Andy, who cares? But seriously, that's power. Imagine having power over everything in your life. Like, you're just having power. Like, when you walk into a social situation, you have power. You're in charge. When you're in a business meeting, you have power. When you're with friends, you have power. You're driving the ship 100% of the time. Nothing is beyond your scope of ability to see. Because you're there. You're present. You're here now. You're not going to bed in some euphoric reality and waking up in hell. You are always here. We're here today and you're always here. You're not in the past. You're not having the guilties. You're not waking up the morning after the Snapchat sexting experience or the night out where you did whatever the hell you did with whoever you did. You had a fight with somebody. You you know, how many times do we get into drunken fights? And then the next day, you're rewinding the day all the next day. So then you lose an entire next day because you're still replaying the previous day. Or whatever it is, you're just like, was I okay? Did I do this? Okay, who do I have to apologize to? Who do I have to whatever? And you're, you're you're not even sure what the hell happened. That goes away. You're here today. You're present today. You get to be present. That's what sobriety looks like. And it doesn't have to consume your whole identity. You're just present right now. You're always, 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 always here. It's so good. It's so good. And then you'll be able to, whatever you want to do, see clearly the way. Because there is a way. And we get into these grooves where we don't always see the way. And sobriety will help you. So, I've talked a long time about this, but I think it was overdue. I haven't done an episode on drinking in a long time or sobriety in a long time, and I just wanted to do that. Um, As for the deeper stuff that I've mentioned, the things that come to the surface after you get rid of that behavior or as you're working on that behavior, that is the deeper work that I do with my clients. There's a lot there. There's a lot there for you. So there's either stuff that's unpleasant or there's also just stuff that's in your way. Like if you want a better life for yourself or you want to do new things, there's stuff in your way for that too. Like there's all kinds of stuff. Um... Yeah, that that's that's some of the deeper stuff. So that's that's outside of the scope of this podcast. But if any of you guys have something that you want to talk about or something that's coming up for you, you can email me, Andy, A-N-D-E-E, at getthefuckoff.com. If you still don't know what personal development or coaching is and you're curious, get on my email list. I send an email once a week. Um, and that'll really kind of orient you to what it is and the work that I do, the work that I do with clients, all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, next week I will either be late or I won't be here at all because I'm running the Chicago Marathon. So I'm going to see you guys back here definitely the week after that. If I'm back next week, uh, it'll be a miracle. I'm going to give myself grace if I can't get it out. I hope I can get it out. I hope, I hope, I hope, but it'll definitely be out after Monday. Um, I want, I thought about recording one before I go, but then I thought there definitely is going to be something that will happen on the weekend that I'll probably want to talk about. So I'm going to wait until after that experience to come back to you guys. But I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. And I'm going to see you back here when I see you. Until then, take care. Stay safe. I'll see you back here next time.